Welcome, welcome today. Good to see you all. And those of you that are watching us online, welcome to you. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Dr. Mannion. I'm one of the pastors here at True North Church, and I'm also the president of True North College. Yes, we get in the classroom next week. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Uh, so uh, where are the college? We got some college students in here right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, say, so can't wait for that two and a half hour lecture last next tomorrow night. Good. This morning, I want to speak to you about, uh, well, I tell you what, let me give a disclaimer first. Those of you that might be a little sensitive to like four letter words, can you just kind of, because, all right, I want to start with a four letter word. Just get us really, make sure everybody's awake here. All right, ready? Here it is. R U. L-E, rule. Now, I know it wasn't maybe what you were expecting, thank God, but uh, it's, it is, to many people's ears, a four-letter word in that sense because we don't like rules sometimes. Sometimes we even hate rules. I started hating rules at a very young age. Nine years old, I, was, I went to my first organized sports event that I was playing in, I was a basketball player at nine. I was three foot six, and I, was, I, I thought I was going to the NBA. I was so ready. I had Arnell Jackson on my team. Now, Arnell was like, I think he was like six foot eight. At least I thought so in my mind. And he's jump ball in center circle. Back in those days, they still jump ball to start the game. And uh, Arnell, boom, tips it to me. I get the ball. I'm going down. I'm like, I'm like, nobody anywhere. I was like, wow, went up. Laid the ball up, made the basket. Of course, I went and I did the celebration dance. And look up in the, the stands, everybody was laughing. The whole other team was pointing at me, laughing. Arnell Jackson comes up to me, he says, dude, you have to play by the rules. You just scored in the other team's basket. <laughs> it was, I think I cried. <laughs> I think I actually cried. And I kind of hated rules with, with that. Sometimes we hate rules. Sometimes we make our own rules. Now, I don't know what it is about six-year-old boys, but they just love to make their own rules. One of my grandsons, Ace, he's six years old. You cannot play Uno with that guy. Okay, I try to play Uno with him. So I put down a draw two, and my understanding of the rules was he's supposed to draw two then. So I said, Ace, come on, draw two. He's like, no, no. No, no, Papa John. When you put down a draw two, you draw two. So I was like, all right, fine, fine, whatever. Okay, so let's keep playing. So we keep playing, then he gets his turn, and he puts down a draw two. So I, uh, Ace, all right, you know, you said the rule, you have to take two. He's like, no, no, see, when I get, when I put down the draw two, you take two. Can't win. So we hate rules sometimes. Sometimes we make our own rules. A lot of times we, we especially in our culture today, this postmodern culture that has this misconception of truth, and actually thinks you can neutralize rules. You can have neutral rules. Ruleless rules. It almost makes sense, but not quite. Lawless laws. You know, we're going to make a law, and we can't have anybody's morality in that law. Look, that is not the question of whether there's going to be morality in a law. It's just the question of whose morality is going to be in the law. So we try to neutralize laws. Sometimes we're just consumed by laws. This is what was called in the New Testament 
pharisaical attitude. Legalism. It's so, so caught up in rules, it's just so empty and superficial. The Pharisees were famous for making all kinds of rules. Rules on the Sabbath, for example, for the Pharisees. I had like a list of like 200 rules. Rule number 122. Pharisee said this. On the Sabbath, you can't work. So here's the rule. You cannot spit on the ground. Because if you spit on the ground, it moves, it moves the dirt. And that constitutes plowing. And so therefore you've worked. Consumed by rules, hating rules, making your own rules, neutralizing rules. But here's the thing. Rules are good if you got the right rules. Yeah. Now, we've been in this series called The Kingdom. The, the kingdom, the translation in the New Testament, gets the word kingdom, and it, it comes from a Greek word, basileon, and it actually means, most fundamentally, it means rule. The kingdom is the rule. The kingdom of God are the rules that God rules with. I want to say it this way. Kingdom of God is this. God God's rules rule. All right, say it with me. Ready? God's rules rule. Now say it five times really fast. Ready? God's rules rule. God's rules. You can do that a little bit later on. Just if whatever, make sure you don't say shine my city shoes five times real fast. No, someone, stop it. Stop it. Don't say that. Be embarrassing. You get it on camera. So <laughs> you, you may hate, your, hate rules. You may make your own. You may neutralize them. You may be consumed by them. But it's always better to live in God's rules rule, the kingdom of God. Romans 14, 17. It says this. It says, the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking. It's not that superficial external thing. But it's this. It's righteousness. It is peace. And it is joy. Now, what is righteousness? Righteousness is one of those words, you know, like propitiation or something. Like, it's a, a theological term. What, what does it mean, righteousness? It's, re it's really actually simpler than you might think. Righteousness, always remember it this way. It just literally means, the, the, coming from the, the biblical word, for example, sick canoe, right, righteousness in the, in, in the Hebrew, it literally means this, rightness. Is this what it means? It means rightness. It means right standing with so the righteousness of God or having righteousness with God is to be in right standing with God. That's a wonderful thing. There's, there is something so peace-filled, so joy-filled about being right with Daddy. And that's what the scripture calls us to tell, invites us to call Father God, Abba Father, Daddy. You know, when you're right with Daddy, when everything's okay, if you're not, you know, you're not right with Daddy, things are messed up. But when you're right with daddy, everything seems so good. Peace-filled, joy-filled, everything feels good. All is well, it is well with my soul. What is peace? I like to think of it like this. Peace is joy resting. And joy is peace dancing. Peace, joy, righteousness, Joy resting, yeah, me and daddy are good. Joy rest, peace dancing, wow, me and daddy are good. God's rules rule. Now, sometimes we feel a little bit of a void of righteousness, peace, and joy in our lives, don't we? Sometimes it's because maybe you never even had that. You've never entered into the kingdom of God. You've not been saved. You've not given yourself to Christ and allowed him to take care of you. And so you have a void that way. Sometimes we have a void when we, when we know God. We were saved and we feel a void of righteous, righteousness, joy, and peace because we stray. 
sometimes, don't we? We stray from God. You know when you stray from God, you feel that, you've kind of gone away from God's rules, rule. It just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. So let's do this today. I want to do, I want to do one thing, and I'm going to do it in three different ways, and we'll see what we come up with. I want to ask the question, what is the kingdom like? Okay, so we have the kingdom of God. This is our series that we've been talking about. This is the last installment in that series. Let's, let's end it today with asking the question, what is the kingdom like? And the scripture talks a lot about that. It literally says in many places, the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like the owner of a house who brings out treasures new and old, for example. Another one is it's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Another one is it's like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. All of these are illustrations. Actually, they're parables. And we're going to take a look at each one and see what we can find out about the kingdom of God, God's rules rule, and what that actually is. First of all, Matthew chapter 13, verse 52. It says this. It says, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like... All right, what's it like? What's the kingdom of God like? It's like the owner of a house who brings out of his showroom new treasures as well as old. Treasures both new and old. You know, the older, the older I get, <laughs> the more I kind of start realizing that sometimes I just don't get some of the new things. I, I, just, I just don't get it. Fashion. Fashion is a big one for me. I was in a store not too long ago. I was looking for some pants, jeans. And I look in the store, and there's a rack, 50% off. And they're jeans. I'm like, that's me right there. That's got my name on it. So I go up to the rack, and I'm looking through the jeans, and they're all ripped. They're, like, ripped up. I, I, I pick them up. They're, like, ripped on this side, ripped on. Got, like, big holes in the knees. I'm like, man, I wanted to go up to the lady at the register and say, I know you made these 50% off, but, you know, it's like they're really ripped up. I'll give you, how about 90% off? I'll take one off your hands. She, uh, I don't think she, I don't think she, I think she would have thought I was just kidding. But actually, I then found out that is fashion. That's fashion. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about getting me a pair of those. Hey, I mean, it's, if, if, if it's fashionable. But, you know, the old and the new, it's like, you know, sometimes I just, I don't get the newer stuff. Communication. Communication. When I was a kid, we would go outside and play, play in the neighborhood around. And when it was time for dinner, my mom would come out and she'd blow a whistle. No text, nothing. She'd just blow a whistle and we'd hear it and we'd come home and we'd go to dinner. Now I'm finding out, although I'm trying to figure some of it out still, even some of the words I'm, I'm not getting exactly. You got that there, uh, what is that called? That so, so, social, that, that socialistic media. And I'm still trying to figure out a lot of it. I, I know they got a you know, facial book. They say that things go virus on YooHoo. That's like a really bad recall on chocolate milk. Somebody said the other day they were going to send a twit on Twitter. And uh, I was like, what? And, and they said, I mean, I, I kind of thought that you send a tweet on Twitter, and I asked them about this, and they said, you, you got to know the right thing to say. I said, look, the right thing to say is if you're going to say it's Twitter, you got to send a tweet, okay? But if you call it Twitter, you got to send a twit. I don't get it. The other one, was it? Instant Grammy. 
It's like a really fast grandmother. <laughs> then they got tick-tock, tick-tock. Hey, when I was a kid, I had clocks, too. It's, it's, I understand. But you know, I don't get some of this stuff. But you know what? The bottom line is what comes around goes around. There's really nothing new under the sun. It's communication, different forms, and so forth. And the scripture here, this parable that Jesus tells, says, you know what? Here's what the kingdom of God is like. It's, it's like treasures, and they're all treasures. They're new, they're old, but they're all treasures. It's all the same. Why? Because the kingdom of God doesn't change. Why? Because God does not change. God does not change. Services in, 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 in the Congo, in Zaire, they would finish all the services and, and when they got done, they would, the whole congregation would stand up and they'd just be jumping up and down and they would just shout at the top of their lungs. How did that go? In Zambe, Zali, Oyo, Lelo, Lobi, Libeli, Nalibeli. God is the same yesterday, today, forever and forever. He does not change. Theological word, this is called his immutability. He doesn't change. Another theological word, his omnipresence. His omnipresence means he has really no time or no space. Uh, when he's new, he's old. When he's old, he's new. And all at the same time. The scripture puts it this way. It says, a thousand years to him is like a day. And a day is like a thousand years. Jesus put it this way. He said, before Abraham was, I am. God never changes. There's no two different gods. It's not like there's a God of the Old Testament. He's the mean God. And then there's a God of the New Testament. He's the nice God. Doesn't, that's, that's, not, that's not correct. God never changes. His goals never change. The covenants he makes never really change. Hebrews says the new covenant is a better covenant than the old. But it's not a different covenant. It's just a more complete, more revealed, more clear covenant of the same things that God has always been doing. God didn't start loving the world in John 3, 16. He's always loved the world. Treasures, new and old. God does not change. And the kingdom of God does not change. What is the kingdom of God? God's rules rule. And that does not change. And I'll tell you what, that's a nice thing. In, 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 you know, in a world where basically everything's changing all the time, very hard to feel stable, isn't it? One day the politician says this, and, and, and the next day something changes, so he puts a different spin on it and says this. It's totally different. God's not a spinner. God don't spin. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Sometimes, whether it be less or more, like the Old Testament, less clear or complete revelation of the same thing, or the New Testament, more clear or complete revelation of the same thing, it's still going to be the same rules. Let me give you a, just a summary of God's rules rule. This is what God's rules rule is throughout the entire scripture. It's this. I need, he provides. It's called the gospel. In fact, that is a very good definition of the meaning of the name Jesus. I need... He provides. That's the kingdom of God that never changes. That is God's rules rule. I need, I have to see that. I have to confess that. I have to, I have to uh, come to grips with that. He provides. I have to accept that. I have to trust in that. That's it. That's God's rules rule. Whether you're a guy named Abraham who 
you and Sarai are just way too old to have a child. And you need God. You need God. And God provides a child. And then you trust God for that. You've been trusting God for that. What does God say to Abraham? He says, you know what you did? You're living in the kingdom there. I need, you provide. So I'm going to reckon that to you as righteousness. That's it. Romans 14 said, what does it say? The kingdom of God is righteousness. God's rules rule is righteousness. I need, he provides, is righteousness. It puts you in right standing with God. And it doesn't matter. In the Old Testament, God says to Abraham, it's reckoned to you as righteousness. New Testament, you're a wee little man. You're up in a tree. Your name's Zacchaeus. And you recognize that you need Jesus. And so you jump down out of the tree and you say, I'm gonna follow you because I see that you provide. What does Jesus say to Zacchaeus? He says, just like Abraham, you are a son of righteousness. You're living in the kingdom of God. You're living in God's rules rule. And that's what the kingdom is. And that's what his rules are. It's like, you know, in the, in the, in the Lord's prayer, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, the verb there come is an interesting tense. It's called a present continuous tense. Very, very well could be translated this way. Thy kingdom has come, thy kingdom is, is coming, and thy kingdom will come. It's already and it's not yet. It's like a guy who goes into his treasures and he brings out from the old and from the new. Rules in that sense are really realities. What's the most real thing? that exists in, in, in the history of existence, I can't, he can. I need, he provides. I'm not able, he is able. I cannot pay for my debt, he can pay for it. I cannot save myself. Humanist Manifesto, 1962, you're wrong. Humanist Manifesto said this, it's, it, it said, there is no God, you must save yourself. No. You go ahead and live life like that. You'll live it the most frustrated, frustrating life you'll ever live, burden, burden that is out of control in your life, and you'll mess things up all around you. Why? Well, because it's not real. Yeah. It's not real. What's real is I can't, he can, the gospel. So what do you do if that's true, if that's what's real, if that's what God's rules rule is, what is your response? Well, th just think of it logically. If I can't and he can, then what do I do? Well, I seek him. I go after him. I follow him. I give myself to him. If I don't live by God's rules rule, the kingdom of God, then what do I do? I seek myself. I follow myself. I give myself to myself. You seek who you depend on. You follow who you, think can, who you think can get you somewhere. Chip Heaps. Anybody know him? No. Chip Heaps, he was a kid that lived in my neighborhood when I was, a, when I was growing up, when I was a little kid. Coolest guy in the neighborhood. Well, first of all, his name was Chip. Okay, you get, when your name's Chip, I mean, that's it. You're already cool. But beyond that, Chip had a full-scale soccer goal in his backyard. Not just one of those little pop-up ones, a regulation side, so boom, automatically, done, done. Coolest kid in the neighborhood. On top of that, 
he had a Yamaha 100. Yeah, he did. He had a Yamaha 100. And we'd go out in that thing, zip around, go in the woods, the trails, the roads. All right, it gets even more incredible. Chip Heaps, he had a black Labrador retriever. <laughs> when Chip would go out in his little mini bike, that Yamaha 100, the lab would just follow him. And Chip would be out for like a half an hour. It was amazing. He'd be out in a half an hour. And he'd go everywhere, all over the place. When he came back, the, the Labrador retriever was still there following him. I said, Chip, how is it that your dog is so intent on following you? And Chip says, well, it's really just one thing. You see, I can reach the dog food in the pantry, and he can't. You run after who you depend on. Let me give a kind of a conclusion of this first little parable, a summary. I think it's this. God's rules rule in your life to the degree that your understanding of your need for him and his provision for you drives you to him. That's God's rules rule. I need, he provides. Let's go to the second one, the second parable. Matthew 18, 23 through 35. And let's, let's uh, take a look at that. Matthew 18, 23 through 35. Therefore, the kingdom of God is like. All right, what's it, what's it like? It's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, I guess not, <laughs> The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. All right, let's kind of summarize this parable, this story. It's, it's a story about what the kingdom of God is like. What God's rules rule is like. What's it like? Well, First of all, you got this guy. He owes $50 billion. Now, I'm not just saying, you know, exaggeration, hyperbole. That's literally what he owes. 10,000 talents or bags of gold. The, the, the equivalent of that in our value of money today would be $50 billion. That's what he owes. I don't think he's going to be able to pay this. Of course, he was insisting that he could. So the master forgives it. And in that sense, the master pays for it. The guy doesn't accept. He's like, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with these rules that rule. I don't agree with I need, he provides. 
The guy actually tries to pay it himself. He thinks he's going to pay it himself, and it's ridiculous. He, he says, I don't need, I provide for myself. And how ridiculous is it? Well, he tries to pay by insisting that others pay him back. Now, 100 pieces of silver, the equivalent of that in our money today would have been about $400. So this guy is thinking, I'm going to pay back $50 billion by getting a few people to pay me $400. He would have had to get 100 million people to pay $400, and then still he'd have only had $40 billion and be $10 billion short. The tragedy of this is the guy doesn't accept forgiveness, so he's not able to forgive others. He's banished from the king's presence. The kingdom of God is, I need, I have to see that, I have to accept it. And he provides, I have to believe that, trust in it. So if that's true and I have that going on, then what am I going to do? I seek and help others to seek. But if I don't have the kingdom of God, if I don't have God's rules, rules going on in my life, I'm saying I don't need, I provide for myself. Well, what happens? I don't seek and I don't help others to seek either. Let's summarize this one. Kingdom of God, what is it? You have to have your debt paid off by the one you're in debt to. God's rules rule. I need he provides. All right, last one, Matthew 22, verses 2 through 14. Let's take a look at that parable, that story, that description of what the kingdom of God is like. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered. Everything's ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and they went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, and ba the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked him, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited or many are called, but few are chosen. What's going on here? All right, let's take a look at it. People are invited to come to this banquet, this wedding feast, this wedding reception. This host is, is, is throwing this, this wedding reception. They're invited to come. Some don't want to come, some do. One guy comes in and he doesn't have the proper attire. Now, what is the criteria for proper? Jesus is telling this parable and the hearers of this parable in his day would have totally understood this when, when he said this because it was part of their culture. The culture of that day, the host's of the wedding ceremony or the wedding reception, especially if they were somewhat well-to-do, would provide the wedding clothes for every guest that would come. And every guest that would come would, would have to wear the wedding clothes that were provided. 
for him. So what's, what's going on? This guy is saying, no, no, I wear my own clothes. <laughs> Does that sound familiar to your flesh? Yeah. It is. It's, 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 it, if you're honest with yourself, you know what this is talking about. I wear my own clothes. I'm my own man. You know, it just crawls. The gospel just crawls up our flesh. It's like, I can't, he can. It's hard to accept that sometimes. As ridiculous as it is, as if we could pay it ourselves, and as ridiculous as it is because it's such good news. But it crawls up our flesh, and it's hard to act on that. It's hard to go to God because we want to go to ourselves. In the, in the New Testament, there's a Greek word that gets translated stumbling block. It's the word escandalon. We get our word scandal from that. And it's talking about the gospel and how it impacts us and how we, how we go against it. He says it's like a scandal to your flesh, a stumbling block. But there's no other way. There's no other real rules. All those other rules, I, do, I can do it myself. I don't need you. Those are fake rules. That's a fake kingdom. The kingdom of God is the only real kingdom. This guy's saying, I need, or I don't need, I provide for myself. What does it mean to be chosen? Many are called, but few are chosen. What does it mean to be chosen in the context of this, this, this uh, parable? To be chosen is to live in the kingdom of God. It's to go by God's rules that rule. It's to say, I do need, and so his provision I accept. In other words, to be chosen is to choose his choice. What is it to not be chosen? Not be chosen is to say, I don't need. I, I provide for myself. To not be chosen is to say, I choose my own choice. I go my own way. Let me summarize this one this last parable here for us. What is the kingdom of God? What's it like? You have to wear the clothes that are provided for you. That's what the kingdom of God is like. That's how life in the kingdom of God works. What is Christianity all about? You have to wear the clothes provided for you. Why do I have so little peace and joy? You have to wear the clothes that are provided for you. Why does so much in my life just not seem to fit sometimes? You have to wear the clothes that are provided for you. Why do some people have such hope, peace, and joy, and other people do not? You have to wear the clothes that are provided for you. Sometimes we're just not wearing the right clothes. So let me close out with this. Probably the two most well-known verses in the New Testament about the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 and Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. What does it say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 about the kingdom of God? It says, blessed. It's a Greek word that gets translated blessed. It literally means happy. Remember that one? Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy. Happy, blessed, happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Theirs is God's rules rule. How? How do you get it? How do you put on the clothes? You gotta be poor in spirit. What does poor in spirit mean? It means you're empty of yourself. You're bankrupt of yourself. You recognize that you can't. You recognize that you're not able. You recognize that you're insufficient. Not so much to become a worm and be like, oh, I'm nothing, but so that you can see the real provision. You can see the real 
ability. And you can accept that and live in the kingdom of God. So what do you do then? Well, if that's true, if that's really real in my life and I believe that and I act on it, what am I going to do? I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to go after him. I'm going to set my face toward him. I'm going to acknowledge him in all my ways. I'm going to come to him. I'm going to spend time with him. I'm going to give myself to him. I'm going to seek him because you seek the one you depend on. Matthew 6, says this, no surprise. Seek, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek God's rules rule. Seek this idea that you don't, you, you, you need and he provides. And so run after him like a Labrador retriever running after a Yamaha 100. Seek the, the kingdom of God. And then it says this, it's very interesting. It says, and his righteousness. There it is, that right standing with God. That thing that makes you feel so good. You know, when I'm not in right standing with God, I just don't feel good. It's terrible. When I'm in right standing with God, all is well. It is well with my soul. I got that peace. I got that joy resting. I got that joy. I got that peace dancing. It's well with my soul. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, all will fall into place. All is well with your soul. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. God's rules are not burdensome. This is why the word gospel, this, this word euangelion, where we get our words like evangelism, evangel, uh, and the word gospel, it means good news. It's good news. God's rules are not burdensome. It's good news. God's rules are not burdensome. They're beautiful. And so what does Jesus say? He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And what does he say right before that? Come, come unto me, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Something so peaceful and joyful about being right with daddy, about being in the kingdom of God, about being in God's rules. Let's pray. Lord, we confess to you right now that we need you. And Lord, we accept that you have to provide for us. Lord, we recognize that we're not able to pay off our debt. And we are thankful to you, God, that you came to this earth, died on a cross to pay off our debt that we could not pay. And Lord, we want to be able to apply that not only to our salvation, but to our sanctification. We want to be able to apply that to all of our life, that we would walk in this life and that we would apply, I need you provide, that we would seek you in all of our ways. We ask you, Almighty God, to help us with that, to stir up in us the Holy Spirit that would do that in us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's honor Doc John. Hey, we don't end a service without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And let me encourage you Christians in here for a second. I know 
it's really easy to become familiar with this part of the service. Just heard the word, now everything's kind of winding down and we're kind of thinking we're going to finish, but can I just encourage you, don't, don't forget the, the importance, the severity of this moment here. That people are literally going to make a decision to say yes to Jesus and be with, be with God in heaven forever, or they're going to reject it. And so, can we just be praying? Right now, people watching online and people who, they, they just were listening to what Doc John had to say about um, the need of a Savior. And that people would respond to this. And maybe you're in here this morning or you're watching online and you've never made that decision. You've never you know, said, you know what, I do have a need. Because it, it's an interesting thing having to talk about the gospel and Jesus. And the fact of the matter is, is heaven and hell are real and eternity is long. And he, listen, heaven is not a place for people who are scared of hell. It's a place where people love God. And so you can't scare people into, into heaven. Yet the truth remains that Jesus is the only way. It is through what he's done that he fulfills the need. It's by grace, unmerited favor, what we don't deserve through faith. Saying, you know what? I believe Jesus is who he says he is, that he came from heaven to earth, lived a perfect and sinless life, died on the cross, and three days later was raised back to life for my shortcomings, for my failures, and for my sin. And I'm going to choose to accept that. I'm going to turn away from the life I'm living now and say, you know what? I'm going to follow God's rules. I want his peace. I want his joy. I want his fulfillment, his security. And so when you come in an atmosphere like this, and I don't know how, how you came here this morning or who invited you online, but the Bible is simple. It says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. It's that simple. It's that easy. Saying, you know what? I... I need, he provides. I need salvation. I need forgiveness. I need grace. And God provides it. So with every head bowed and eye closed, if you're here in this space and you need to make that decision to say, you know what, I want to accept that free gift of salvation. Or maybe you're online and you're watching and don't know how you came across this link, but I believe that today is the day of salvation. Today is a significant day. So if, if this is your first time, really repeat this prayer. And we're all going to repeat it together. But really repeat this prayer and mean it in your heart. Come on, church. Everyone together say, Jesus. Come on, church. Say, Jesus. Here I am. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I am now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Everyone who said that prayer for the first time, that's incredible. Hey, if that's you, you said that prayer online, make sure you uh, you hit that button. They should be, uh, put a, a button out in the chat right now, and a uh, team would love to pray with you and help you along this journey. If, if you're in this space, uh, make sure you stop at Next Steps or you stop out in the foyer, and we'd love to give you a Bible and pray for you. Also, uh, Next Steps is open. So make sure, I, I know there's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot probably going on in your life. We would love to pray with you in, uh, in Next Steps. So make sure you stop there after service. Also today at one o'clock, we have baptisms, which is exciting. And uh, it's gonna be right out here. And so uh, feel free to stick around or if you haven't been baptized yet, let's get you baptized. Sound good? Come on, church, why don't you stand to your feet? Let me pray off into your week. You good? Man, what a good Sunday. Dr. John, amazing work. Thank you. That was incredible.
Come on, you reach your hands to heaven. Come on, you pray as we go into our week. Father, we are so thankful for what you did this morning, Lord. We're so thankful that we are called, that we are chosen, that we are set apart, that we are highly favored, Lord. That, Lord, if you are for us, who could be against us, God? So I just pray a blessing as we go into our week, Lord. Lord, you did not give us a spirit of fear, Lord, but of power, love, and a sound mind, Lord. So I pray that as we walk into our weeks, God, we would walk with authority, with confidence, with boldness. God, use us this week for your eternal purpose, God. Use us, Lord. Do what only you can do, Lord. We're grateful. We are so thankful for what you've done for us, God. Bless us as we go into our week. It's in Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen, amen. Church, I love you. Be blessed.